along with the message. I'm just going to show you part of the video. Uh, but uh, as soon as it's done, then we'll get into the rest of the message. It is dealing with uh, priorities and how to fit them into your life. So Now, you guys know anytime I try to do something over here, it always goes wrong and I have to start over, right? So just, yeah. Though there's never enough time to. Okay. Get the lights back on. Don't mind. Now the point of that uh, is, uh, if there's going to be important things in your life, big things, they have to go in first. Okay. Now I was going to do that illustration out here on the table, but it makes a big mess, and it's just I'd have to clean it up, so I didn't want to do that. Uh, but uh, what it teaches us is uh, the things that we value the most, the big things in our life, have to go into our day or week or month. They have to go in first. And then if there's room for other things, then, then you put them in. 
Uh, if we plan correctly, we'll have time to do those most important things. Now, what the video kind of messes up on is it gives you the impression that, that if you plan right, you can do everything you want, even the little tiny stuff that's not important. All right, that, that's where the little illustration kind of falls apart, okay? Uh, but if you're going to do the big important things, they have to be in first. Now, we're going to refer back to that in just a little bit. Now, this is uh, going to be a topical message. Not, I normally preach expository. This is going to be topical. I'm not very good, but we'll see what happens, okay? The topic of, of this message uh, is um, our service to the Lord. Right, your service to the Lord and, and how to make it better or how to do more for him this year. Now, my starting point, uh, my, my presupposition that that thing that I assume to be true at the beginning is that we are not saved to just sit. Right? We are saved to serve. Uh, if you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I want you to find verse 58. It's the last verse of the chapter. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, and look at what it says, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, your labor that's not in the Lord is in vain. It's empty. It's, it's productless. Okay? Okay. Uh, Another version of, of this uh, verse reads like this. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time. All right? now, now, I want you to look back at verse 58 here, and I want you to see this. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. We are to abound in the Lord's work. We are to abound in our service to him. Now, if you think that you're, you're too busy uh, let me refer you to, to last week's message on, on priorities and remember this little video where really if, if you put important things into your life, you'll have room to do that which is important. Now, as we talk about our service to God, if we're going to, and I know this, this, this is goofy, I was in a weird mood when I titled this message, uh, if we are going to rock our service for God this year, all right, see what I did there with, with the rocks? All right, you with me? Then those rocks have to go in first. Okay, the big things must go in first. Now, we're going to read a lot of scripture this morning. I doubt that you'll be able to keep up. I'll, I'll say the reference. You can jot them down. You can look them up later. Uh, but there are some, some, some rocks of our service to God that must go into your life first if they're going to be accomplished. Rock number one is our service should follow Jesus' example. Right? Our, our, our service should follow Jesus' example. In Matthew chapter 20, uh, verse 28, Matthew 20, verse 28 says this, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, or, or, or Jesus didn't come to, to be served, but to minister or to serve. Now, what this shows us, since, since Jesus came not to, to be waited on, but to wait on us, that Jesus is our template of, 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 of how we serve God. He, he's our pattern for how we serve others. 
in John chapter 13. Now, our, our, our memory verse is John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, but John 13, verses 4 and 5, at the beginning of the chapter, uh, it, 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 it says this. Uh, he riseth up from supper, laid aside his garments, speaking of Jesus, and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel uh, wherewith he was girded. Now, now you, you get the picture. Here, here is their, their master, their rabbi, their teacher has subjugated himself to them and is washing their feet. Now, why were, was, was feet washing such a big deal? was because they wore sandals and people threw their trash and stuff into the street. Uh, often, you know, chamber pots were emptied into the street. And if you wanted to walk the street, you kind of had to walk. You get the picture? Okay, feet washing was very important. It was normally delegated to one of the slaves, the servants of the household. But here Jesus himself washes their feet. He shows us what serving God looks like. The pattern is humble sacrifice. All we need to do then is to follow Jesus' pattern. E. Stanley Jones puts it this way. Grace binds you with stronger cords than the cords of duty or obligation can bind you. Grace is free, but when you take it, you are bound forever to the giver and bound to catch the spirit of the giver. Like produces like. Grace makes you more gracious. The giver makes you give. So our first rock is that our service should follow Jesus' example of gracious, humble sacrifice. Rock number two is that our service should be joyful. All right? Uh, when you see our service as, you know, to the Lord as, as, as the privilege that it is, then, then we will serve him with joy. We will consider it a joy to be counted worthy enough to serve him. To be counted as one of his servants would be the highlight if we understood it correctly. In Nehemiah chapter 12, um, he's, Nehemiah got released from Babylon to go back and build the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, in chapter 12 verse 43, they're, they're, they're winding things down. Uh, but now it's, now it's kind of getting done and it, it's time to rejoice, all right? In verse 43 of Nehemiah chapter 12, it says, Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. Now the they, that's just the men, all right? Uh, it says, For God had made them rejoice with great joy. Again, that's just the men. So the men are offering sacrifices and they're rejoicing because God has made them rejoice with great joy. And then the next part of the verse, the wives also and the children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. 
So it started with the men serving God and accomplishing what God had set them out to do. And they sacrificed and they rejoiced. And, 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 and the men were, were so joyful that it, it infected their wives and their children. And then you could hear this. If you were coming up on the city of Jerusalem, you could hear this ruckus. And the closer you got, the more you understood that it wasn't a ruckus. It was a celebration of joy. Because they had the opportunity to serve God. In Psalm 40 and verse 8. It says, I delight to do thy will, O God. So it says, I delight to do thy will, O God. So the question is, do you? Is it a delight for you to serve God? I mean, let's be honest. We're in church, it's a good place to be honest, right? It's not always, is it? Um, the sins of selfishness and, and pride get in the way. The sins of self-interest, self-motivation will sneak in and, and rob you of your joy of serving God means you have to repent of those sins so that your joy in serving the Lord can return. You see, we, we tend to think more about our own needs and the needs of other people. And un, un, unfortunately, this, uh, this flawed mindset is, is, is reflected in the way people view coming to church. They're mistaken when they think that church is a place to come and, and be served instead of to serve. You remember, uh, you young kids will have no idea what I'm talking about, but some of you older folks will remember this. Remember the old gas stations? Where the moment you, you rolled in to the gas station, uh, you were surrounded by uniformed gas station attendants. Remember those guys would, would swarm your car? Now, I was just a kid. I'm not quite that old, but I was just a kid. But I remember watching this happen. It was cool to watch. One would pump your gas, another one would check your oil, another one would wash your windows, another one would, uh, would, 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 would check like, like tire pressure or something. I mean, it was, it was just a cool thing to watch. They, they call those the good old days, I guess, but yeah. Well, many people take this old gas station mentality and they apply it to, to, to church in our day and age. They think that, that a church is a place where, where they pull in once a week just to be serviced, that they, that they go there to get their needs met, and then if the service isn't good, and, and, you know, which you know, means that they didn't get fed, or, or, or when the church doesn't meet their needs, then they'll you know, drive their membership down to another church that they think they'll get better service at. We need to remember that church is a place where we go to serve, not to uh, be served. We serve by pooling our spiritual resources with other believers so that God can be served and other believers can be served. Rock number three is that our service to God and others, it's our duty, it's our responsibility. And I'll notice here that that fulfilling our duty to serve kind of gives life a certain uh, nobleness. Uh, I might have made up that word, but 
The Apostle Paul does that from time to time, so I, I think I can get away with it, right? It says in Mark chapter 10, verses 43 and 44, uh, but so shall it not be among you, talking to his disciples, Jesus says, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, your servant, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. What he's saying is the more important that we think we are, the more serving of others we should do. The daily killing of your pride will make you great as a servant of God. So it gives life a certain nobleness. Uh, Fulfilling our duty to serve kind of also embodies what it means to be a caring servant. At the end of the parable of the Good Samaritan, in Luke chapter 10, uh, it, it says, uh, of course, Jesus is talking to the leader that was trying to trick him and trap him. It says, uh, now, uh, which now of, of these three uh, thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And, and Jesus, uh, you know, kind of boxed this guy into a corner, but he said, uh, he that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, go and do thou likewise. Here we see that that serving, serving others is being merciful the way that Jesus was merciful. Serving the Lord and serving others demonstrates our love for both God and for others. Something else, fulfilling our duty to serve, it is is Christ-like. We can't be Christ-like without this. Back in John chapter 13 again. Verse 14 this time, John 13, 14, it says, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. In other words, if it's not too good for me to do, Jesus says, there's nothing else that's too good for you to do for each other. There is nothing you should not be willing to do, if you're able, for another brother or sister in Christ. After all Jesus has done for you and all he has shown you, how can you not do for them when they have a need that you can fulfill? It is, it is the essence of Christ-likeness. Now something else we'll see is that fulfilling our duty to serve, it uh, kind of lightens life's burdens, Okay. In Galatians chapter 6, uh, we have two verses here. Galatians 6 verse 2, and in a minute, Galatians 6 verse 10. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Right? Bear one another's burdens, you keep Christ's law. Now we all have our own burdens, and the word that's used there is more for like a, like a backpack or, or a rucksack, all right? Uh, and, and we do have that to carry. We all have kind of our burden to carry. It's not our cross to carry, but we all have just kind of life's burden that, that we carry around. But when we see one of our own crushing under a huge load of just life, we must come alongside and we must help them carry it. I mean, it's the law. It's, it's Christ's law of love that we step in and we help them. In verse 10 of chapter 6, 
it, uh, it says this, as ye have therefore opportunity. All right, so that means there's going to be opportunities. As ye have therefore opportunity, God says, as I present you opportunity, let us do good unto all men. In other words, every opportunity you get is an opportunity from God to do good to everyone. But it says, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Especially your other brothers and sisters in Christ. So when the opportunity presents itself, we are to perform goodness. Whenever, wherever, to whomever we can. Our responsibility first is to one another, but it is not only to one another. It is to all men, especially one another. The caring, uh, caring in the nature of Christ. Right? Caring the way that Christ cares. It's not about scoring points. It's not about quid pro quo. It's not about getting leverage over others. It's about responding to human need in the same way that Jesus would respond to human need. And that brings us to rock number four. Our service is expected of us. Now it says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, this is after verses 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of, you know, not of verse that's mentioned above. It's that section. Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So we're created in Christ. We're saved in Christ for good works. It says, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know what that means? It means that God has pre-planned good works of service for you to do. You were created in Christ partly to serve God and to serve others. That is what is expected. That has always been God's plan. That's what it means when it says before ordained that we should walk in them. It has always been God's expectation of you that you serve him and you serve one another. Now if you were to drop down in the book of Ephesians to chapter 4 and if you saw verse 11 and 12 it would say, and I'm going to abbreviate verse 11, and he gave some pastors and teachers and then it tells us why in verse 12 why he gave the pastors and teachers it says for the perfecting of the saints that's that's the growing up of the saints for the work of the ministry for the serving of God so the ministry grows for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ now if we kind of unpack that this is what we have churches have pastors so that saints can grow when saints grow, they are to serve the body of Christ. You are expected by God to do the work of the ministry in your church. That's what God expects you to do. You see, your pastor or your pastor's wife respectfully does not work for you. Okay, now this is what I mean. We don't work for you. We serve God alongside of you. 
as, as partners in this ministry. So instead of telling us what needs to be done, you should take it and you should do it. You should take it and you should own it. I mean, you know, run it by me if you think it needs that to happen or if there's significant cost. Yeah, but, but, but you take it and you do it. That's God's expectation of you. See, if he, um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, that's not working for your salvation. It's working because you have salvation. You are to work out your salvation. You are to display with your life your salvation. You are to demonstrate your salvation by your service to God and others. So you, you are expected by God to serve in your body. I mean, the, this is your body. Well, it's Christ's body, but you belong to it. This is where your service should, should, should take place. Not a lot of amens on that one. It's okay if you chew on it for a little bit. You've got to kind of come to terms with things, right? Rock number five. Your service should look like this. And I'm going to tell you what the, this is. This is what your service should look like. First of all, our service should glorify God. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it's the, uh, the salt and light passage of Matthew 5, where it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Okay, so they're going to, to, you're going to shine, you're going to live for Christ, and they're going to see you living for Christ, doing these good works. And then it says, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You, serving God, people will see, they will glorify him. See, to love and to glorify God must be our main motivation for the service that we perform. Another thing we see here is that our service should should furnish a pattern for others to imitate. Now, what do we mean? Well, you know what a pattern is, right? If you work in a tool shop, you have a pattern. If you, if you sew clothes, there's a pattern. Uh, if you build furniture a lot, you make patterns, all right, because it, it, it just saves time, right? Listen to Titus chapter 2. Okay, Titus chapter 2, this is verses 7 and 8. It says, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Which means that you should perform your service in such a way that when somebody says something negative about you, people don't believe it because they know you and they've seen you serve Christ. Your service to the Lord shows. Uh, your service to the Lord, uh, it, uh, it trains it, uh, it demonstrates for others. Others will know how to serve the Lord and how to serve one another by watching you when you serve. And the reason for this is because our service tends to call others to the task. Think of like a moth to a flame, right? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 
Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. That word provoke is one of those Greek words that can be uh, negative or positive depending on the way it's used. Okay? Uh, if, it's, uh, if it's negative, it means to, uh, to kind of trap and ensnare and force somebody to do something. Uh, positively, it's... Um, Kind of, kind of the same thing. Um, you've heard the phrase, don't poke the bear, right? Okay, well, that, that's what provoking is. It's, it's poking, okay? It's, it's kind of pushing along. So, so if we're going to use it positively, then we, we are to, to positively poke each other along so that we are all doing the good works together. We're to encourage one another. We're to say, hey, come on, there's things to do. Come on, join me in this. It's more fun if more of us do this. I can't do it by myself, so come help me do this. And you just kind of encourage them along. Because serving the Lord is contagious. Your joyful serving of God will motivate others to joyfully serve him also. Something else we see is that our service our service should demonstrate the reality of our faith. It says in James chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, this is the whole faith without works is dead passage. Even so faith, it says in verse 17, if it hath not works is dead being alone. But verse 18 says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Now, the, this is what this is saying. If there is no faith, then there are no works to be seen. But if there are no works to be seen, then there is no faith. Those who trust God, those who have a living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they serve God. You can't not serve him your faith in christ will drive you to serve the lord and if it doesn't it means that there is a dead faith and you know what that means something else we see is that our service it includes reading and studying scripture in second uh, timothy chapter three uh, verse 16 and 17. This is going to sound familiar to you. It says all scripture. Okay, all scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It says then and is profitable. It is good for something. And then it tells us what it's good for. For doctrine. For reproof. For correction. For instruction in righteousness. That's what it is profitable for. And then it says, it gives the reason that it's profitable. That the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished or completely grown up unto all good works. And what that means is, when it says that it is, it is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, or instruction, it means that the word of God is profitable to tell us what is right and what is not right, and how to get right and how to stay right. 
The capacity to serve the Lord the correct way comes from knowing the word of God. Remember, you're going to be saved for the rest of your life. You need to get to know what God expects of you. You need to know what he says. You need to know what he wants from you. You need to understand your relationship with him. Studying, being diligent in learning the word of God, that's what gives you the tools. That's what gives you the ability both to serve God and serve others the way God wants it done. See, we don't get to do it the way we want. We don't call the shots. God's already laid it out. We have to know the word of God so that as we serve him, we serve him the way he wants to be served. And as we serve others, we serve them the way God wants us to serve them. And look, I will will start a Bible Institute next week if, if that's what you want. If it'll help you learn more, if it'll help you serve the Lord, I'll start it next week. You say the word and it's done. Let's wrap this up. Do you want your service for the Lord to rock this year? I know it's a silly play on words, but you're not ever going to forget it. All right. Meeting the needs of others is service. Meeting the needs of your church is service. You know, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.17, prayer is service. In verse uh, 16, rejoicing and worship is service. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, being thankful is service to God. Now chew on that for a minute. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Being thankful thankful to God for what he has blessed you with is service to God. Evangelism, trying to reach the lost, inviting your friends to church, that is service. We've been looking at 2 Corinthians 5 in Sunday school. Verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 5 says, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given unto us the ministry, the service of reconciliation, bringing others to Christ. That means that, that, that living right, uh, talking right, is service to God. You remember the good works from Ephesians chapter 2 we mentioned a while back, that, that, that God ordained beforehand that you should do. Matthew 5 tells us to be salt and light. Positive influences for the kingdom of God. That is serving God. You know that uh, fellowshipping and, and, and being instructed, taught, and you know, listening to preaching, that kind of thing, that that is also service. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Do you think Jesus is coming soon? Think he can come at any moment? Okay, if you believe that, then you will more and more want to gather together. And you will more and more want to exhort one another. 
You know, teaching is service. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, it says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, it says the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now, can we say then, okay, that that obedience to the commands of Christ is service to Christ? I, I, I think that's a safe, a, a safe uh, conclusion to draw. See, there, there are so many things that you can do to serve God and serve others right now. L- let me give you some ideas, all right? Some areas that, that, that you can serve in Northland Bible Church right now this year. First of all, you can serve your church by praying in secret. Don't tell anybody you're doing it because when you pray out loud, you tell people what you're praying, uh, it runs the risk of, of, of there being ulterior motives. But, but praying in secret has that one motive of, 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 of just getting closer to God and pouring your heart out to him. Pray for your church, just you. Pray for your pastor. You need to pray for your pastor. You desperately need to pray for your pastor. You need to pray for your pastor's wife. She has to live with the pastor. You, you, you think I'm, I'm joking, but I mean, that, 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 that's both a ministry in itself and a whole thorn in the flesh, okay? Uh, you need to pray for her. You need to pray for this church, your church. You need to lift up before God. Before you do anything else. See, people think, oh, well, we've done all we can. We better pray. No, you haven't done a thing until you've prayed. So pray. Pray that we as a church are united. Pray that we as a church can reach Juno. This town's not that big. Pray that we can reach this town in 2019. Here's something else you can do. You can invite people to church. Just invite your friends to church. Everybody has friends. I, it's just on the slide. Everybody has friends. We'd like to meet yours. Okay? Invite your friends to church. Try to invite at least one person a week. And then, and then when new people come, be friendly to them. We're not so large that we don't recognize new faces. So when you see a new face... Introduce yourself, welcome them, invite them to stay for lunch, offer to take them to coffee sometime through the week. Make them feel welcome. And if there's people that, 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 that you don't know, get to know them. You've heard the phrase, well, yeah, I, I know that neighborhood like the back of my hand. You know, well, some of y'all know your neighborhood better than you know your church. It probably ought not be that way. Look for things to make your church better. Now, I know that I'm the pastor. There are things that I am not good at, and, and I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to say that. I've got a particular skill set, and the things outside my skill set I struggle with. Some things that will be better handled if somebody else does them. A better job can be done if somebody else does them. So what can you do? 
you know, we have several teens, and, and they are, 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 are wanting, needing. They deserve activities for just them. The elementary kids have been wanting an activity for just their age group for quite some time. On a more uh, practical, temporal level, the church facility needs a deep clean a couple of times a year. You know, Sharon tries to organize the, the cabinets there in the back, you know, about twice a year or so. Uh, you could volunteer to help her. They're going to be back sometime in January, by the way. Um, you can volunteer to help her do that. We need a door greeter, someone who can be here just a little bit early, just to shake hands, welcome folks in, hand out a bulletin, tell new folks where the bathrooms are. You don't think that's important until you don't know where the bathroom is, all right? You know, we try to send birthday cards out to everyone that, that, that's coming that we have addresses for. You could take that ministry on and, and be a behind-the-scenes blessing to somebody. We need help in junior church. Right now we have three, uh, four, if Becky takes it, uh, you know, folks that, that, that are in the rotation. Uh, you know, another couple or another couple of ladies that could take a month. It would be a great relief. With enough willing servants, you wouldn't have to, or no, with enough willing servants, you would only get to serve in junior church maybe once or twice a year. See, there, there, are, there are many ways that you can rock your service to the Lord in and out of church this year. And I guess the only question I, I have left for you is, are you going to do it? Will you serve? Will you follow Jesus' example? Will you serve the Lord with joy? That's my question. The answer is between you and the Lord. Will you serve the Lord with joy? Stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Father, we want to thank you this morning for the privilege of being able to gather in your name with your people. We thank you for the privilege of being called your sons. We thank you for the privilege to serve. It's better to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts, that we are willing not only willing, but that we do submit ourselves to your will to serve you anywhere, anytime, towards or with anyone that you choose. Father, work in us so that we lay our life before you, as it says in Romans 12, 2, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable service. Father, work in us that we be reasonable, living sacrifices, that your work can go forward so that you can be glorified and lost people can come to know Jesus as their Savior. So, Father, please accomplish your purposes in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Mike, would you come ahead, please? <clears throat>